We have a good number present again this evening. We appreciate the presence of everyone. And if you're visiting with us, we're glad that you've come to be with us. I encourage you to get a Bible and turn to 1 John. We'll get to that passage in a moment. In fact, we'll be spending some time in 1 John. As already been mentioned in the announcements, just keep in mind our meeting starting on Wednesday. It's kind of an odd timing, uh, but I think this was JR's idea to start on a Wednesday and go through Sunday. And so we're starting on a Wednesday night and we'll have seven lessons total. But the elders have asked JR to speak on the question of who is Jesus? And so that'll be some studies that'll be helpful to your non-Christian friend or neighbor that you would like to invite, but it's also going to be designed to help Christians to understand who is Jesus? Who is this master we serve? Who is this? And so that's what his whole series will be about starting on Wednesday. If you were to be asked the question, what do you know? What would you list that you know? Quite often we ask that question, not really meaning what do you know? It's kind of a greeting, what do you know? But if someone seriously asks you, what do you know? What would you list that you know? And the next question would be, how do you know that you know that? And if you focus on spiritual things and you say, I know, and you list what you know, how do you know that you know that? And the next question would be, do you really know it or do you, do you just think that you know that? Do you think you know that or do you really know that and how do you know? Well, John in the epistle, 1 John, addresses what we can really know. In fact, he uses the phrase we know some 13 times in this short book. It is a small epistle. 13 times he uses that phrase. He uses the word know at least 40 times in 1 John. Now that's a number of times when you think about how short the book may be. The term know comes from two different original words. And I'm not so much interested in the details of all of that, but to suggest, as Vine suggests to us, that one word gives the idea of the inception or the progress in knowledge, where the other gives the idea of the fullness of knowledge. One word implies the, an, an active relationship between one who knows and the person or the thing that is known, such as knowing God. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And the other expresses the fact that the object has come into the scope of the perception and therefore they have knowledge of that. A little bit different connotation in those words. But John is giving emphasis to knowledge to combat the Gnostic concept, the Gnostic era. We talked about Gnosticism in an entire study here recently as we were embarking upon a study of 1 Timothy. But they were called the Gnostics from this Greek word for knowledge, gnosis, because they claimed superior knowledge. That was part of the idea. King suggests in his work on 1 John, this knowledge, gnosis, became the center of their distinctive belief and lifestyle. And so they claimed to have superior knowledge. Salvation, they thought, come through this spiritual enlightenment, the spiritual knowledge they had. They were released from normal rules of society because they had superior knowledge to what everyone else may have. And they could be righteous without doing righteousness because they had superior knowledge. John's point is uh, this, of making this point, of the point John's trying to make in 1 John, 
is the certainty of faith and the certainty of hope to give some assurance to those who may be under question. Look at verse John 5, 13. We'll come to this a little bit later. This is not where we're starting necessarily. We're going to back up to chapter 2 a little bit later as we begin to un unroll our points in our study. But I want you to notice in 1 John, he's giving this point to make assurance or give some assurance. He said, these things I've written to, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And I've written this whole, the, my purpose for writing is this, that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm trying to talk to you about faith and hope and some assurance, he says. Again, I quote from King who said, whereas the gospel of John was written to create faith and so uh, confer life, John 20, 31, the first epistle was penned to give certainty of faith and the possession of eternal life. It is apparent that he is writing to assure the disciples who have been caused to question their salvation by opponents who seem very sure of themselves concerning their heterodoxy. That is, that there were the opponents who are causing them to question their faith and to question whether or not they have some assurance. So John is writing to talk about that. So let's talk about what do you know. Some things we know, we can know from 1 John. Because John gives great emphasis to our knowledge of what we can know. So let's start with this. We can know the truth. We can know the truth. Now God has always given a standard by which we could determine whether or not something was true or not. And I give an example of that without tracing these references in the Old Testament that talk about Urim and Thummim. Urim and Thummim, though we do not fully understand how that operated, it was a means of God communicating with man and discerning the will of God. And so there was the Urim and Thummim. God had always given a standard by which one could determine this is God's will. This is what God wants us to do. So let's talk about how we can know the truth. John gives us assurance that we can know the truth. So let's turn to 1 John chapter 2, look at verses 20 and 21. John gives us assurance that we can know the truth, and in 1 John, in the day that 1 John was written, in the days of spiritual gifts, truth could be determined by those who had miraculous gifts, such as the gift of the discerning of spirits. Now, that's not directly mentioned by name, but I think it's alluded to here in 1 John 2, in verse 20. He said, but you have the anointing of the Holy One. The King James talks about the unction of the Holy One, and you know all things. There's something about this anointing, whatever that is, that caused them to have some knowledge. Now notice verse 21. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and there is no lie in the truth. What is this talking about? Well, this is probably, I think, referring to the discerning of spirits. You have someone there who has some gift, some anointing, some unction, as he calls it in the King James, by which you can know the truth. That seems to have reference to me at least, the idea of the discerning of spirits, the spiritual gift of the discerning of spirits, such as one could determine, maybe here's a letter that is some are questioning, is this a forged letter? Did this come from Paul? He says it's from Paul, but was it, is, is it a true letter from Paul? Those who had the discerning of spirits could discern whether that, that was true by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there were, it may have reference to that. Now that seems to be confirmed by, or at least alluded to in chapter 2, verse 27, just a few verses later. Look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, that you do not need anyone teach you, 
But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as you, you have been taught and will abide and you will abide in him. There is some connection between this anointing or this unction of the Holy One and you knowing the truth. So here's what I'm learning from that. I can know the truth. That is, if I lived in the day that John was writing, one could know the truth because there were those who had this anointing or this miraculous gift, I think, of the discerning of spirits. And they could discern for you whether or not that was true. Well, let's go to chapter 4 now. There's another reference to knowing the truth. You can know the truth. Look at chapter 4 and in verse 6. Let's back up to verse 1, though, before we get to verse 6. In verse 1 said, try the spirits or test the spirits whether they are of God. In other words, they are teach because he said there are many false prophets gone out into the world. There are false teachers. There are some teaching the truth and then there are some teaching false. And how do I know which one's teaching the truth and one who's teaching error? How do I know? How do I know what the truth is? So he said, put them to the test. Well, John, how do I put them to the test? Now we're ready for verse 6. Verse 6 tells us that if it agrees with the apostles, it is true. He said, we, that is the apostles, are of God. Evidence of that is in the miracles they could perform. He who knows God hears us. The one who knows God listens to the apostles. And he who does not, and he who is not of God does not hear us. It's pretty simple. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He said, you take it and you look at what is taught. Does it agree with what the apostles who had proven that they are of God by the miracles they performed? Then if it agrees, then it's true. If it disagrees with what the apostles have revealed, it is error. That's how you tell the difference. You can know the truth. And so what I'm learning from these two passages is I can be assured that I can know the truth on any Bible matter. We hear today the cry that the Bible is unclear and, and the Bible is not simple and it's not it, it, it's kind of fuzzy and it's kind of unclear. Even some of our brethren have argued that on various questions. There is no wondering what's right or who may be right on that issue. It doesn't require some special gift. It doesn't require some special talent that I could discern and know what the truth is. I can read my Bible, I can understand, and I can know the truth. And so John gives us some assurance. And what a positive thing that is, that I can know what the truth is. Well, let's go further. What else can I know? What do you know? Well, I can know the truth. But I can also know that we have a Savior. I can know that for sure. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5 and notice in verse 20. I can know the Son of God has come. He said, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, and in His Son Jesus Christ. And this is the true God and eternal life. I can know that God was manifest in the flesh. That's what he said at verse 20. I can, we can know that the Son of God has come. Well, the same writer who's writing this recorded in John chapter 1, in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word was deity. Now look at verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So I can know that God has come in the flesh. First John, or John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14. I can know that he is the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Romans 1 and verse 4, he was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection. So I can know he is the Son of God, and I can know that he was manifest in the flesh, so I know the Son of God has come. I can know that. I'm not guessing at that or wondering about that. Well, let's go to chapter 3 now while we're in John. First John, let's go back to chapter 3 and in verse 5. 
And I can know that he was manifest to take away our sins. I know we have a Savior. I know he came in the flesh. I can know that without a doubt. I can know this in chapter 3 and in verse 5. He said, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. I can know that he was manifested to take away our sin. Well, Peter, or Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so I can know that for sure. Let's jump over to Hebrews chapter 2. We were recently there in our Bible studies. Uh, on Sunday morning in Hebrews chapter 2. This is the passage that talks about Jesus being both human and divine in chapter 2. But he came, became flesh. He's human. And he took on flesh. And the reason for that is that he might die for, as a sacrifice. Now notice at verse 14. Inasmuch as the children have, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. That is, he became flesh and blood. He became flesh. Now, why did he do that? That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I'm learning that he became flesh, that, we might, that he might die as a sacrifice for our sin. So I can be assured that we have a Savior that takes away our sin and that we have hope. So I'm not thinking, you know what, I hope this story is true. I, I've read and heard about a story of a Savior, and I hope that's true. I wished it were true. I'm not sure if it's true, but I can know that we have a Savior. John says we can know that. What else did John say we can know? Well, I can know that I'm living right. I can know that I'm living right before God. Several passages mention this. Let's start in chapter 2 now and in verse 5. I can know whether or not I'm living right before God. Look at chapter 2 and in verse 25. I can know that I am in Him and I'm keeping His commandments. Look at verse 25, and this is the promise that we have, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, I'm sorry, I'm reading verse 25, chapter 2 and verse 5, and whoever keeps his commands, keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, and by this we know that we are in him. So I can know I'm in him, that is, I have a relationship with God, I'm in a right relationship with God, I can know that, John said, because I'm keeping the commandments of God, I'm being obedient to the word, I can know that. Well, while we're in chapter 2, let's jump over to verse 29 now. I can know that I'm practicing righteousness. I can practice righteousness, and I can know when I'm doing that. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. John says, here's what you know. Isn't it, isn't it interesting to go back to our introduction that he's making a play on this word knowledge that the Gnostics had so much to say about of their superior knowledge. And so John said, here's what you can know. You can know that you're practicing truth. Let's go to chapter 3 and in verse 14, here's something else you can know. Now, these are synonymous expressions. By that is, I know I'm, I'm in him and practicing righteousness means the same thing. Chapter 3 is going to tell us that we can know we've passed from death to life. That I was once dead and separated from God and now I have life. I have forgiveness in God and in Christ. Notice verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life. We don't just guess at that, we can know that. We can be assured. Because we love the brethren, he who does not love, his brother abides in death. I can know I've passed from death unto life. Go to verse 24, same context, chapter 3. I can know that he abides in us. I can know God abides in me. Here is a relationship, that's fellowship. Another term for fellowship with God. Now, he who abides, uh, 
Let me start over verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. And so if you keep the commandments of God, you're abiding in God. And he in him, God abides in you. Here is a relationship between God and man. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So I can be assured and I can know that. Let's jump over to chapter 4 and verse 13. I'm just trying to list the concepts of what John says we can know. Look at chapter 4 verse 13. Chapter 4 13 says, By this we know that we uh, we, uh, abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So we can know that he abides in us and we abide in him. Again, that concept of fellowship, a relationship between God and man. Go to chapter 5 and in verse 18. I can know that I'm born of God and I don't practice sin. Some have a concept as you're turning there. uh, Before we read that, some have a concept, some of our own brethren have a concept that we're just living in a constant state of sin and I don't even know all the sin that I'm committing. So I'm just committing sin all the time, constantly, and I don't even know what I'm doing that's wrong. And yet John tells me I can know that I'm practicing truth and I'm not practicing sin. I can know that. Look at chapter 5, verse 18. Chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. We know that, he said. We can know that. But he that is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. John said you can know that you're practicing righteousness. You can know you're not practicing sin and you know you're being kept from Satan when you're doing what's right. He said you can know that. You're not constantly living in a state of sin. So we can be assured that we're living a life that's pleasing to God. I can know that. There's no need for for some kind of fear and just wringing of our hands. I I wish that God would be accepting of my life. I wish God would be pleased with my life. I don't know if he is or not. I can know that indeed God's pleased with my life. Here's something else I can know. John said I can know the truth. I can know we have a Savior. I can know we're living right. But we also can know God We also can know God. Let's go to chapter 2 now. And notice again John's use of the word knowledge or knowing something. 1 John chapter 2, we can know God if we keep his commandments. Look at 1 John chapter 2 beginning at verse 3. He said, by this we know that we know him. Now that's interesting. Not only can we know God, but we can know that we know God. So we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. So the one that comes along and says, you know what, I know God, I know God, but he's not doing what God said, then he's lying about that matter. Now let's talk about the concept of knowing God. Let's turn over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4 gives me some insight of what it means to know God. What does it mean to know God? What, what, is it, what is the concept of knowing God? And when someone says, I know God. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Notice this, this connection. He said at verse 8, But then indeed, when you do not know God, you serve those who by nature were not gods. There was a time when you didn't know God. Didn't mean they didn't know of God. Didn't mean they didn't have a knowledge to some degree of God. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? What's the point of that? You see, knowing God is same as being known by God. It's the idea of having a close relationship with God. It means you know Him very well. So the idea of knowing God is not just a matter, I have knowledge of God. I've read and I know that there's a God. I know that He exists. 
is not even the idea of knowing your Bible thoroughly so that I know all about the details and the characteristics of God. I can tell you that he's omniscient and uh, omnipresent. I know all the things about God. Knowing God is meaning that you are known by God. Not only do you know who he is, he knows who you are. It's a close relationship with God. You know him very well. That's the idea of knowing God. And John says, I can know that I know God. I know that I can know him very well. That's possible to have that relationship with God. Let's go to chapter 4 now. I can know God if I have love. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. John says there's a connection between this love and knowing God. Look at verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, the idea of knowing God means that you take on the characteristic of God. It don't mean you just have knowledge of Him. I've read about Him and I know about Him. I know what the Word says. In fact, I've memorized. I know all about God. It means you take on the characteristics of God, God's love, and you develop that characteristic, then you know God. It's far more than knowing He exists. It's far more than knowing something about God. Again, you know him very well. So I can be assured that I know God and God knows me. I know the president, but he doesn't know me. I know the governor, but he doesn't know me. I know a lot of people who don't know me, but I know God and God knows me. That means we have a close relationship and we can know. Do you ever feel that no one takes notice or even knows anything about you, knows who you are? And yet here's some assurance that you can know that God knows you and God takes notice of you. John said we can know that. What else do we know, John? John said you can know the truth. You can know you have a Savior. You know you're living right. You can know God. But you can know God hears your prayers. You can know that. Did you ever offer prayer? And uh, I wonder if God heard that. I'm, I'm wondering, did, did God pay attention to that? Is God listening to me? And yet the Bible says we can know that God hears. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 5. Here's something else we know. Now remember these are, just, these are all short chapters and there's only five in the book. And 40 times he uses this word know. And we're seeing a good many of them. Look at chapter 5 verse 14. He said, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we've asked of him. John says this is the confidence we have that we ask if we ask according to his will. Now, if I'm not asking according to his will, that's another matter. But if I'm asking according to his will, then I can know that whatever I ask, he hears. That doesn't mean he's going to grant anything I ask, but it means he hears anything I ask. And he will answer accordingly, according to to his will. So I can be assured that God hears and listens and answers our prayer. Do you ever think no one's listening to you? Do you ever have things to say and you think nobody's paying any attention to me? I've been, I've been asking this question. Nobody's, nobody's answering my question. Nobody's even hearing my question. I have concerns, but nobody's listening to my concerns. I have requests and nobody pays any attention to my requests. I've asked for things and nobody's listening to me. Perhaps that's the case. But God hears every request you have. I can be assured that God answers 
my prayer. My prayer does good. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. John, what can we know? Here's something we can know. I can know what love means. Love is a concept that many people have no understanding of what it means. Perhaps that includes us. I can know what love means. I can know love. Look at chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and in verse 16. Look at chapter 3 verse 16. He said, and by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Two things I want you to see here. One is I can know love by first of all looking at the supreme example. He said, you want to know what love is? Here's how you know what love is. Look at the supreme example. By this we know love. What do you mean? Because he laid down his life for us. There's your supreme example of love. Jesus laid down his life for us. Then he makes application. I can know love by applying the principle to our love for others. Look at the end of verse, 12, verse 16. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. He was sacrificial in his love. We ought to be sacrificial in our love as well. Is the idea. Let's go to chapter 5 and in verse 2. We know that we love the brethren. Look at chapter 5 and verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Notice three things he mentions. Loving brethren, loving God, and keeping his commandments. You see, when we love God and we keep his commandments, then we know that we love our brethren. How can I know if I'm loving the brethren as I should when I'm keeping the commandments and I'm loving God? The love for God and love for brethren are so intertwined, there one implies the other. If you love God, you love your brethren. If you love your brethren, you must be loving God. And so I can be assured that I know what love means. It's more than talk. It's more than a feeling. It's demonstrated in action. John, what can I know? What can I know? I can know that I'm going to heaven. Now, there's two passages, and we'll start with the second one in chapter 5 and in verse 13. This is where we started a moment ago in our introduction. Let's go to chapter 5 and in verse 13. I can know that I have eternal life. John said, I've written to you for this purpose. This reminds me of the Gospel of John, where John said, this is, he wrote these things that you might believe. Chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Now here's what he's saying. I've written that you, uh, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. He said, you can know you have eternal life. That's only, we have eternal life only in promise. Paul talks about the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. 1 Timothy 4 and in verse 18. Titus 1 talks about the hope of eternal life. So that's yet future. It's only in promise that we have eternal life or we possess eternal life. But I can be assured of eternal life. Because of the principles found in 1 John. We're keeping his commandments. We're not guessing. We're not wondering. Let's go to chapter 3 and in verse 2 now. The second of those passages, actually it's mentioned earlier, chapter 3 and in verse 2, we can know that we will be like him. That is when I know when eternity comes. First John 3, by the way, is talking about being sons of God, children of God. What an honor and a blessing and a privilege it is to be the children of God. Now then verse 2, beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What's John telling us? Well, we don't know what we'll be like, but we know that we'll be changed. 
Without going to 1 Corinthians 15 and developing that argument, 1 Corinthians 15 says that the second coming will be changed. What's that going to be like? What will we be like? Well, we don't know. We're not told. But it's comforting to know that 1 John 3 and verse 2 says, we know this much will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I can be assured when all is done that I'm going to heaven when I do the things that are pleasing and acceptable in his sight. What do you know? John said, here's some things you can know. And if someone were to ask you, what do you know? What do you really know that you say, I know this and beyond a shadow of a doubt I have this knowledge? What would you answer? What would you say? John says, here's what I would say. John said, I, I would say you, know, you can know the truth. John would say, I can tell you, you can know that you have a Savior. And that you can know you're living right, you can know God, and you can know that God hears your prayer. You can know what love means, and you can know you have the hope of eternal life. John says a great deal about what we can know. What do you know? You know a lot if you stick to reading and studying 1 John. We can have great assurance of the things that we do know and we can be assured of. There may be one or more present tonight who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ? The Son of the living God, would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith? Would you be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and while we sing?